Our first guest is a former military man who is now dubbed as the creator of the Google of online racing. It is the CEO of Gridfinder. Please welcome Tom Bunton. Alongside Tom, we have the founder of XL Esports. He was there for seven years and achieved a lot in his tenure there. And when I say a lot, I actually genuinely mean a lot. And he is now the gaming director of Formula E. It's Corin Ramsdabi. And to make up the trio, we have one more guest to give a round of applause. The former top-level player in the sim racing world who actually trained Jensen Button during lockdown 2020. I spent the entire time in my pajamas, so who's the real winner? Please welcome to the stage the founder of gaming business, Casenut. It's Tobin Lee. Okay, right. So um, we're going to chat about building successful esports communities, why it's important, what works, what doesn't work. Um, and to discuss that, we've got three people who have done a bit in uh, esports community building. Um, so we've got Tobin, um, as you heard, who has um, managed uh, Formula One esports teams. Um, and then we've got Kieran, who's also gaming director at Formula E. And we're going to discuss the importance of community for Formula E. Um, and then uh, myself, Tom, and we're going to just do a quick introduction and then get into some questions. So um, I'm Tom, I'm founder of a company called Gridfinder. We're an online community management platform for sim racing or online racing communities. We have over 3,000 communities on our platform um, and we let them list on our platform and find drivers. So drivers can go on the platform and say, I want to race PC, Formula One, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I'm in Europe. And then we show them the dozens of communities that will uh, facilitate those, uh, that racing for them. Uh, we also have a community management platform that allows the um, online community managers to create racing calendars, collect results, standings, and we have a marketplace that allows people to trade and sell uh, liveries, coaching, engineering setups, uh, et cetera. So it's quite a, it's quite a broad uh, remit um, that exists within um, online racing communities. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of people who take it very, very seriously. Um, and so it's a lot of fun. Kieran. Thanks. Um, yeah, I had quite a glowing intro before getting on stage. Uh, I suppose to build on that a little bit. Um, my background is in esports, so I spent seven or just over seven years building um, XL Esports, um, one of the UK's leading gaming entertainment brands. Um, Co-founded that with my brother in 2015. Uh, um, and uh, I've now been at Formula E for the past year, essentially as like an in-house gaming consultant, so helping build a any opportunities you get to be a part of a genuinely new sport, like Formula E is in its ninth season. Um, I'd say probably outside of like UFC and paddle now, there's not many like genuinely new sports that are um, experiencing growth. So yeah, great to be uh, great to be at Formula E and helping them expand their audience through gaming. Great, Tobin. Yeah. Um, hi everyone. I'm Tobin. And uh, I, to be honest, I didn't actually hear my intro, so uh, because I was a bit busy frankly putting on my mic. But um, but basically, my background is I started off when I was like seventeen. Presumably, some others in here did too, as a as a professional esports player. Um, and basically, I played Forza, like Forza. You know, it was a great game back in the day, and it was just something I enjoyed. And basically, I just because I enjoyed it, I ended up getting involved in the esports space through just gaming. And um, I actually wanted to be a real race car driver, but I couldn't afford it. Um, so my whole story was, I was basically showing that games solved the issue of, of having 
no cash when it comes to motorsport and uh, and gaming was that was that um path and basically after competing i went and worked um basically with uh, veloce esports which is a, a leading like esports company and i was an account manager there looking after um, McLaren Shadow and McLaren's esports uh, operations, and also was um, working with the team that built Quadrant, which is F1 driver Lando Norris's gaming and lifestyle brand. Um, and so basically using all these experiences, I decided at the start of this year, that it would be a fun idea to go out and just do my own thing. Um, and that's what PaceNote is, which is my, my first new business, um, which is all about uh, enabling brands to come into esports, and we just provide like everything that they could need to have a team or do a tournament or whatever they want to do. We would work with them to make it happen. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Great. Okay. So, I, I mean, I think just from looking around the room and looking at us, I think one of the like the exciting things about esports um, and online racing and gaming communities is it's really, really new. Sim racing, especially. Um, kind of saw its um, its huge boom, its explosion during COVID, like a lot of esports did. Um, and so the kind of the, the the industry experts, because the industry is so young, actually those kind of industry experts, the people who are leading the the field, are actually very young. So you get kind of very new creative ideas coming through, um, which I think is particularly um, exciting. So we're going to dive into um, a little bit about uh, Kieran Tobin's mind uh, experience in building communities and how those communities can help brands. Um, and there is a bit of a slant towards um, brands using gaming as a marketing activation and the importance of community in marketing and how gaming feeds into that. So, Kieran, start with you. So, how important is building uh, an engaged gaming community for Formula E? Yeah, so I'll just track uh, this. I have what we're about to say with um, my background is in, I've dubbed a new term traditional esports. Like we used to, we always talk about traditional sports when we we're talking about esports, but now I'm, you know, firmly in the sim racing community. I had to find a term for all of the other esports stuff I did before um, finding sim racing. So I'm relatively new to the sim racing world, um, but in terms of like more broadly, um, esports have a fair amount of um, experience. And the way I suppose we look at building communities, I'll talk about Formula E specifically. When we're doing gaming activations, esports activation, everything we do is to either, um, it's like the ARM models, retain or monetize um, the fan base, right? Monetize the next show, we're not as interested in that. Formula is doing extremely well commercially and is not really trying to do any like D2C monetization stuff. So it's more about attract and retaining the fan base. So we do a lot of stuff in licensing, so getting Formula E IP into existing video games, not just racing games, trying to expand it into um, any game that has a genuine fan base that we think might be relevant um, for Formula E. Um, so that's really licensing and, and the attraction side. But in terms of community building, that's on the sort of retention side. Um, and that's all of our owned and operated product. So whether that's our, um, our eSports proposition, which is Formula E Accelerate, um, where we run a sim racing championship, we also do a lot of like influence and led stuff in there. Um, or whether that actually building our own video game, or whether that's um, just an in-app experience to get people to have skill in the game with Formula E. Um, they're like a little fancy product, predictor product, whatever. Um, so there's a lot in that retention side um, for me that is all about just keeping people coming back to the sport not just on race weekends, but actually during the week and uh, sort of across the across the year. Um, 
And to get them from attract to retain and actually start building a community, that's all about conversion and that's all about um, you know solid, solidly integrated marketing campaigns um, uh, across, the, across the business. So, I mean, that, that, it's really interesting that you know using the ARM uh, model for attract. Now, there's other methods of attracting and retaining uh, users or fans. So what is it about gaming that makes it so effective? Like what, what is gaming strengths when it comes to attracting, retaining uh, users and fans? Yeah, so I think naturally, Formula E is going after a much um, younger audience than most sports. So Formula E is looking at what we dub the electric generation. People who are growing up with electric cars. Um, they... Mic check. Mic check. I just, I've got my loud voice. I just pro shout. project. Um, project. Uh, I'll try this when they finally turn it on. But if not, I'm just going to speak really loudly. Um, what are we talking about? Uh, so I was, I was saying that you were saying that gaming is particularly good at uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. retaining yeah. fans and users. Now, what I was suggesting is that there's other ways of doing that. There's social media, Google Ads, etc. Correct. Ways of attracting and retaining users. There's a lot of companies will use community apps you've probably seen it a lot where your favorite esports team or your favorite football team or, or yeah. our pace racing team has a community app where you get ex behind the scenes exclusive content but yeah. why is gaming more effective yeah yeah um so oh if we're on we're flying um so yeah i, I think the way that we look at it is gaming is is just another marketing medium so it's not necessarily a replacement for all those things that you just said um, but it's an additional marketing medium for Formula E to go and attract and retain a, a fan base. I think what I was saying is given the audience um, is skews younger, it's the electric generation. From data that we, that, that we received, there's a lot of gamers in that target audience. There's also a lot of gamers in our uh, retained audience. So um, we know that that's a medium that they're already engaging with. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot in gaming is quite a broad term, right? So there's a lot you can do there, but if you go the whole hog and actually create a video game, you can create what I believe is probably the most immersive experience you can have with a brand um, and something that, you know, genuinely adds value. That's, that's what we're always looking to do is coming from the esports world. I don't necessarily think like brand first or I think player first um, and anything we do, it's all about how can we add value to the player? How can we add value to the community? Because if you do that, then you'll build, you know, genuine trust and loyalty with um with with the player base that you're trying to engage with. And the interesting thing about Simmeris is that it's unique within uh, the esports sphere in that it's kind of one to one related to something it's trying to emulate, right? So if you're a sim racer, you're sat in a chair with a wheel and pedals. Obviously, you can race as a controller, but a lot of people aspire to get their Logitech or Thrustmaster wheel. Um, so. It's kind of one-to-one, -one. it's immersive. And that's kind of the, the strength there is that it's so, uh, it's so engaging for a fan. So as a, as a fan of Formula E, you can become a Formula E racer. Now, if you're playing something like FIFA, you might be a huge, I'm gonna say Newcastle fan, um, but you're not really playing as the Newcastle players are playing because they're running around and you're sat on a controller, right? So it's, it's totally immersive. And that's kind of the, in terms of online racing as an esport, that's its, strength and its weakness right so it's one-to-one -one, which is great for immersion if you're participating in it but it's not so great in terms of viewership because what you're watching is either motorsport or almost motorsport in the sense that you could go and watch real formula e or you could watch almost formula e 
So Tobin, I'm going to throw this one to you. Um, obviously, you've, you've done quite a lot of work with F1 teams in creating teams that then participate. The point being that people will go and watch those teams racing online. What have you seen that has worked and hasn't worked from your perspective when you've been kind of pushing the idea of engaging fans through esports with Formula One? Yeah, well, I think it's a good question. And to be honest, I think that this question about like, essentially it's, it's what, essentially the question you're asking is why would a brand actually bother coming into esports and gaming in the first place? And to be honest, a lot of people don't immediately know. They just know that it's like worth doing because people have told them that it's worth doing. Yeah, but um, essentially the, the way that I kind of explain it and to be honest, it's what my business is kind of built on people trying to understand as well is that um, by being involved in esports and having gaming elements to your business, it's like it just allows you to essentially just appeal to that kind of unique, like tech savvy younger audience. I think that, that is ultimately like what matters because if you watch like YouTubers, like Mr. Beast, for example, you know, people grow up with creators and people grow up with, you know, talent and, and different industry trends. And I think that, you know, if you really look at the kind of uh, numbers of, of the industry and stuff, it's like, I, I just feel like it, everything's leading to it being at the start of something that could really accelerate, no pun intended, um, being, you know, accelerate into the future. Um, and so, that side of things and, and in terms of bringing brands in and then once they get that they are appeasing to that next level of, of kind of audience is growing then the community comes with that um, and then also a big part of that is from a commercial point of view uh, a lot of the if we take sim racing as like an example from within esports all these drivers and players are so like they're so hardcore into their market that they're just worth a lot to brands a lot more than I think people often realize. Um, and so often I find that people are just quite pleasantly surprised when if you can get a product out in front of people, then um, people genuinely will really cater towards that if, if it's good. Um, but yeah, uh, you, you did mention what didn't work uh, so far and not much really, but it is just the whole getting the story across and, you know, uh, and making sure that people understand really of like, the fact that esports is also not that cheap it's probably more expensive than people imagine like when they're coming into it for the first time depending on what what niche you have and so it's just setting expectations early really and then and then community and and everything else just flows from there really just one thing to add on i thought you made a really good point um before you throw it over to tobin around sim racing specifically and there's something i've kind of had to get to grips with is coming from the world of you know league of legends not many people can shoot fireballs out of their hands but you know when you're a good sim racer theoretically you're a good driver as well right so there's a lot of it's almost like sim racing sits in its own bucket of esports and needs to kind of be treated in that way and it does give it some incredible strengths um which allows us to do things like take a gaming arena of 20 simulators around to every race that we go to and give fans probably the most immersive experience they'll they'll have with Formula E um, and, and the closest they'll ever get to driving a Formula E car. Now, the problem, the kind of, the kind of cons, is if they want to then go home and do that, you know, then you rig and, and it, the barrier to entry, all right, it's not as high as going and being in karting or something and real racing, but it's still a pretty big barrier to entry. I mean, to put it into perspective, I'm, I could have a free sim rig in my house right now because I work Formula E. I can't fit it. 
Like where has been a two bed flat in London? Like where's it? Where's it going to go? So there is kind of like barriers to entry for football sim racing, which makes it hard to engage on mass. But it means that when you do a, a you know an activation, you can give people a really really immersive experience, and you know yeah they generally have a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, our so Gridfire has its own sim racing team. We we race in the SRO series, SRO uh, GT. What time to go? We were in Monza a couple of weeks ago, and then how did Monza? and the drivers that inside the the race weekend. Now the really interesting thing that happens alongside that is the real world uh, racing series has a sim series alongside it. So there are drivers allocated from each of the real world teams or the physical cars going around the track on the weekend who will come and sim race in the, the in this case the fanatec arena and they can actually earn points for the real world series now i suppose the the side-by-side -side comparison was could you imagine if in the premier league each of the teams had an esports team where for two or three games a year you could have your esports team competing and they could win actual points in the premier league while sim racing is doing it because it's unique in the sense that it is so it's crossover right you know, the best FIFA player in the world is might be terrible at football. Yeah, and I probably um, want the best CSGO player to join the SAS anytime soon. It's be pretty challenging. Um, so just uh, we'll just go back to the commercial side of this. So, um, Tobin, you worked for Quadrant um, for quite a long time. Now, Quadrant, uh, if you don't know, it was Lando Norris's, the Lando Norris, the Formula One driver, um, his brand. Now, it started off, he was doing a lot of streaming, a lot of, a lot of sim racing, and then he kind of went broadly, more broadly into gaming. And they've been hugely successful. So, what can you tell us about working at Quadrant? That that what was the secret sauce there? What was it that they unlocked that a lot of the larger kind of older brands hadn't worked out yet? Yeah, well, I think Quadrant was really unique because essentially, like that brand was built off of having this figurehead Lando Norris spearheading everything. He was well known on Twitch anyway for like streaming during lockdown. Maybe some of you have watched Lando mucking about on sim rig at some point, especially in lockdown, as I said. But Quadrant was like quite a powerful brand, well, a very powerful brand, to be honest, because he, as like a figurehead, actually really cared about gaming and about everything that they were doing. And that was huge because it meant that he would turn up and he'd be on Discord and like film gaming sessions and stuff with all our other creators that we had. And and Lando like loved it. And I and I think when when a figurehead and like the person that the brand is all about, essentially, is so passionate about it, it just it just trundled down and everyone loved it. And it was, you know, it was a very hyped place to, to be, I guess. And I think that's, that is actually like the magic. It's like, if people really enjoy it, then I think that shines through. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, so a, a grid finder, what we're doing is we're kind of using our platform to go to brands who want to engage gamers and saying, right, you can, you can create a branded community where people who have been to your venue or they've interacted with your product bought your product based on that using that single thread of uh, familiarity they can join these gaming communities and then they can get to know each other as users of whatever your brand is and the interesting thing about um esports and sim racing and kind of gaming as a marketing activation is that it's about participation so rather than seeing an advert or a video or content online where you're you're very passive if you engage your fans through gaming then they are engaging with the brand in a much more immersive way because they're, they're doing something, they're, they're being something, and they're creating real relationships with the other people who are engaging 
with your brand. It's it's emotive, right? So if you uh, so we have some brands that we're that we're working with to create communities at the moment, and I, what we're saying to them is if if we create this Wednesday night series. The following day is very unlikely if you have an, a Facebook advertising campaign that somebody's going to say, oh, did you see any great adverts last night? Oh, yeah, I saw this great advert on Facebook. The video was really was really interesting. Like, that, that just doesn't happen. We're just so immune to it. Whereas if you engage with a brand through gaming, the following day you might say, oh, I had a great race last night with the insert brand here championship or whatever. Okay, so you kind of, you can, you create these really positive emotional experiences but you attach your brand to that positivity. And I think emotion, when it's, when it's kind of attached to a brand, is far more powerful. So you can really extend the shelf life of your brand loyalty if you use gaming as a marketing activation. And there's lots of platforms now that are out there to, to do that. So I would argue that for, you know, when you're going to clients now and you're saying, look, we can create an esports team, it's because you can create these communities of people who can get involved and actually do something, be something within the remit of that brand. And for Formula E, you can say, come and be a Formula E driver. And if you, if you feel like, you know, I'm a sim racer myself. And the first time I kind of got the hang of DRS and ERS on the sim rig at home, it was a tiny little kind of 200 pound little, little rig thing. I was like, ah, I get it now. I get it. And when I watched Formula One, I was like, ah, I totally understand that corner. I can't believe you overtook there. That's nuts. Because now I'm an expert because I've done it. Right. And that's kind of the power of gaming as a marketing activation. 100%. Um, yeah. I mean, that. When when we do these uh, gaming arenas and we yeah we take take them around to the races, it's amazing the level of immersion you can give someone if they they literally race on the track, you know, on the day that they're about to watch people race on. It gives them so much more insight and so much more, um, I suppose, uh, like uh, affinity with the brand because they've had that. You know, they really feel like they're knowledgeable. That might be the first time they've ever sat on a sim rig. But even just having like a couple of laps around a track gives you so much more insight when you actually watch the sport. Um, and I don't think motorsport is the most accessible sport. I mean, yes, essentially, it's just cars going around a track really fast. But to actually start to understand some of the technicalities around it, if you can give people that immersive experience, they're going to build such a such more loyalty with the brand. Um, so that's what we try and do. And try and do it on mass. So, you know, we use... We use other games to, uh, to 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 do that. So we use our licensing uh, relationships with other games to try and hit a mass audience. Um, the weird thing is, and I don't really have an answer to this, but the, the, the weird bit is when we're doing these licensing um, agreements, we appreciate that sometimes that will be uh, someone's first experience of Formula E. They may have never watched a race. They may have never heard of Formula E. Um, you know, potentially, uh, they've probably heard of Formula One, but they probably don't know much about it how 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 far can you get someone down the fan funnel through a gaming experience i don't really have an answer i just i just think that from as you were saying an advert might get someone to click on it and you'll count that as you know conversion yeah. and retention and engagement but that hasn't really given them anything you know, any stickiness with the brand whereas if you if you attract someone through gaming I'm going to hypothesize that they're going to be a lot further down the fan funnel once they've had that experience and much more likely to hang around as a fan and, and build loyalty with the brand. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I use this, um, I kind of use this analogy quite a lot. Uh, so I have a, um, uh, just, this sounds like a shameless plug, but honestly, I promise it's related. But I have a, a sim racing podcast called Sim Sundays where we talk about the business of sim racing. And every week I get a different guest 
who comes on and they, they talk about their journey and their kind of entrepreneur journey, the startup journey, and kind of what's, we talk about sim racing, how it's growing and, and, and kind of what they're doing in, in, in that space. Um, and I always say to them, so we have sponsors on the podcast and they'll say, well, how many, how many views have you had? How many listens you've had? I said, well, so many thousands. Like, oh, well, I can, for, you know, for a tenner, I can get 10,000 views on, on TikTok. But it's, it's kind of the difference between short form content on TikTok where you see something for 10 seconds and then a podcast, you know, podcast advertising is, is absolutely booming because people who listen to a podcast for 45 minutes, they feel genuinely related to the hosts and to the guests because they're listening to them for a lot longer. And that's why podcast advertising is doing so well. I would argue that gaming is kind of the same in that you're engaging somebody in a far more meaningful, emotive way. And so your ROI on, on those, even if you get a tenth of the number of people engaging with it, especially gaming, right? So let's say you create a, a Formula One uh, sorry, Formula E, sorry, Formula E community, uh, and you get people to race there. Now, you let's say you have 10 million fans, maybe only a million of them actually regular gamers. And so it's a much smaller group. But what you're doing, I think, by using gaming as a marketing activation is you're creating super fans, like genuinely can I was a I, I didn't follow Formula One, I thought it was right. So given what I'm doing now, this is this is this is I, this pains me to admit this. But when I was a kid, and I watched Formula one at my granddad's house. I was like, oh, it's boring, granddad. It's just cars going round and round in circles and the camera angle's all the same, which is, I don't know where they are, it's dull. Then I played the game in 2011 and I got absolutely hooked because now the corners weren't just bits of road that the cars were going past. They all had their own characters. And I became totally immersed in the world through gaming. And, I, and now I'm the biggest F1 fan ever from the game. So I think you're totally right. Because Formula One racing actually, uh, Formula One racing is still boring, but Formula E racing ah. isn't. So if anyone wants to watch Formula E race, it's much shorter. There's like way more overtakes. Uh, shameless plug. No, uh, actually, in, Mon in Monaco, the, the next week, Monaco Formula One, let's have a look how many overtakes there are in that Monaco race. Yeah. By the way, in the Formula E race in Monaco two weeks ago that I was at, there were 100. So right. there you go. Uh, Formula E is available on all good streaming platforms. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah, well, thank you very much for, for listening. It's been fun. It's been fun chatting about using esports as a as a marketing activation. And I think sim racing is kind of unique and gives its own little challenges and advantages. Um, so thank you for joining me on the panel. And just a final note, congratulations to Tobin on his new entrepreneurial venture uh, with Pace Note because that takes a lot of kahunas to dive into. Um, so yeah, wish you all the best, mate.